Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Hello, hello. Welcome to or welcome back to the Communicate for Good podcast. I am your host, Erica Barnhart, and I am super delighted that you are here with me today. Recently, I taught a course on leadership, and it was for an executive program at the University of Washington. And I have lots of thoughts and lots of feels after teaching this class, as one always does. What was interesting about this format is that it all takes place in three days. So there's assignments leading up to it, yes, but like substantively, it's three back-to-back days. And that's a really interesting teaching and learning experience. It makes it much more intense, I would say, based on my experience, but also those of the students, as opposed to something that's over a quarter or semester. And so there's pros and cons to that. But one of the upsides is you kind of, you you get to see in stark contrast the frameworks, ideas, and insights that were most impactful, I would say, um, for the majority of students. And so I wanted to share one of those today um, because I was thinking about it a lot prior to the course and then prepping for the course and going through it with students. It really elevated the need, I think, for more attentiveness to how we communicate through change and really through transitions. So it's sort of funny because, uh, you know, each day had a different sort of theme. One day was change, one day was legacy, and then the next was celebration because it was the very end of their EMPA journey uh, on that weekend. So really amazing to have time and to hold space with them as the whole thing wrapped up. But what struck me about this idea of change was that I was like trying to think of a time when you lead not in change, because by definition, unless you're growing and changing, you're dying. Um, Not to get all doom and gloom, but like that's kind of just facts, right? And so when are we not leading through change? And yet yet it's sort of presented as this thing that you have to think about on occasion. And I really have landed on, it's not an on occasion, like the fluency and the skill set for leaders now is to understand where you're at at any given point in time for yourself and for the organization within a transition or transformation or, you know, a period of change, however, whichever word speaks to you. I know for some of you, you're going to be giggling like, wow, she's not going to like tell us which word to use. No, I'm not. (laughs) It's your change. Um, But I would say we use those three words, change, transition, and then someone on the other side of that is transformation kind of interchangeably. So you pick. Uh, I think we all know what we're talking about. Now, the framework that kept coming up again and again and again, or the term, was the neutral zone. So that comes from the work of William Bridges, and I think it first appeared in his book, Managing Transitions. But here's the, the insight. So he sort of builds on the very common three change states, right? Which are, number one, the current state, number two, the transition state, and number three, the future state sort of intuitive um, in some ways, and yet not fully accurate in a lot of, in terms of leadership and in an organizational context. And here's what I mean, and here's why I think 
think Bridges' work is so important to understand. And then I'm going to go into like what this means in terms of how you communicate um, and specifically the the amount of change that your language can sustain at different points in this process. So what Bridges points out is the first phase is actually an ending. It always begins with an ending and that, that ending can be planned. So you redo your strategic plan, you decide to let go of some things. There's an ending, right? Maybe you're no longer going to offer certain products or services that's foreseen. They can be abrupt. This can be death. This can be a massive disruption like, say, COVID. So some are planned. Some you you proactively seek out to, to be ending something and others, not so much, right? They just, they sort of happen to you. And yet what is the same is that there is an ending. And I think it's really important to note, not just that we're in current state, true, but that if you are going to be thinking about this in terms of how you lead, you have to honor the ending, right? Like you've probably heard me because it's talk on this podcast. If you're new, you haven't, but here you go. I really feel like we have to grieve more. We just have to grieve more. In North American culture in particular, we try to act like we don't need to grieve. But if you don't process it, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's just like stuck in your body, whether or not that body is yours or the organization. And that really holds you back rather than doing, you know, Beth Cantor years ago introduced us to this idea of the joyful funeral, right? The joyful funeral. And so if you're looking for something concrete, that might be something to go to. Like, it doesn't need to be, you know, morose and sad and whatnot. It needs to be pitched at the emotional state of the organization, right? On balance. And everyone's going to be at a different place with with how they feel, how they have to act, but how they feel about something ending. So maybe that's your program. If your program just got ended, you got some feels, right? And so that's an obvious one where leaders uh, tend to be fairly attentive. But what if you're just adjacent to it? Like, what if you're, you offer a service and that service is going to continue, but, but another one that, you know, sort of fed into that, or, you know, you did a work together, maybe that's ending, right? Endings look all sorts of different ways and how we are relative to it um, will dictate how we feel about it. And also, of course, lived experience. But the first, you know, the first point here is the first phase is actually an ending. And people are shocked, they're in denial, they're fearful, they're sad. And also, for the most part, productivity will actually dip before it goes back up. Okay, it will dip before it goes back up. And it dips when you enter the neutral zone. So the neutral zone is this transition zone. I want to come back to this because often Another thing that we do, I'm going to still contend, partially because we don't like, quote, unquote, bad feelings um, in North America, is that we go from like ending to new beginning, you know, or current state to future state, or we sort of act like that's what's happening. You don't always have to move through it with that tone of voice, by the way, that just sort of happened. But there's this really important transition piece that does need to happen in order for you to be successful in the new phase, okay? And this is this is the neutral zone. So if you look up the three phases of transformation, you will notice that actually the neutral zone is bigger, indicating that it's longer than the ending or the new beginning phase. Um, and that I interpret as underscoring that the period of time that you need to spend in this neutral phase is significant in order to really process through and get to a place where the new beginning takes off and you get, you know, this is when people are excited, they're energized, they're committed. There's a lot of co-creation. Yes, an overused term. And yet still co-creation. 
it can be a very exciting, energizing time so long as you go through the neutral zone. So in the neutral zone, folks, usually it starts and there's like confusion, frustration. People are skeptical, right? Like skeptical, super common. And then, and then there's a dip after that, even lower in terms of productivity, because people are spending time being like, what though? What, what is happening? Right. And then you start to come out of that. Then you see some collaboration. Then you see that creativity and exploration on the upside, but your productivity is still lower than where it was in the end state and where it will end up, fingers crossed, in the future state. So this idea of the neutral zone is an honoring of that you're the space between what was and a new reality, but you don't really know what that new reality is going to entail. This could be a period of time of intense anxiety. Like the more you have psychological safety in place for your organization, the smoother this will be. But people are stressed because you were inviting them into what can feel like a great unknown, a great unknown. You have to hang out here, right? Um, and it is, in, and this is where um, knowing the communication orientation or styles, I use the pure case self-assessment frequently. You've heard me talk about it before. Knowing where, where do your people map to naturally, right? And in that, in that framework, you have people who are idea people. These people are very comfortable for the most part with entering the great unknown. They also disproportionately hold positions of authority. I, I would lay money on the table that listeners of this podcast, we have a high percentage, a higher than, than like the general public percentage of idea oriented communicators. Okay. We could, I am one of them. We can live in the abstract. We're happy there right? So you have the idea people, they're quite comfy. Um, you have action-oriented people. And, and again, these map to communication styles. So action-oriented people are like, okay, I mean, they may not love where they're going, but they're going to they're gonna want to know like, okay, what's the plan, right? So you need to communicate the plan. And then you have process people who are, are going to like, they need to know the one, two, three, four, five, like the plan, like action people, but like in a linear fashion for the most part, that's how they'll want the information delivered to them about this transition. And then you have people-oriented people, and uh, not as the, the word implies, what they're going to be focused on is how is this impacting my colleagues, my peers, my friends, right? Now, all of us have bits of each of these communication styles. And, and importantly, and I'm going to go into this in much more depth in future episodes, you can learn whatever your style is. You can learn to speak and communicate with fluency while staying authentic to your communication style. You can learn to speak to each of these and in each of these styles. So it doesn't mean like if you're a hardcore process person, you can't speak people. <laughs> uh, you totally can and most of us have like two strong front runners, but it, it sort of runs the game. But the important thing is, you know, where your team, where your organization falls in terms of these. And if you visualize a pie chart, you want that pie chart to be balanced, right? So four quadrants, and that doesn't always work out tidily. And so being attentive to like, okay, you know, how can we bring in more process or how can we like tamp down on that idea stuff that's happening, right? So just this is an attentiveness that you bring. But being aware of that really informs how you communicate as a leader through this neutral zone, right? If you have a lot of process-oriented people, 
and you're an idea-oriented person, you are probably going to get frustrated with how many times you need to lay out the one, two, three, four, five. This is this is how we're moving through this. This is how we're moving through this, right? Again and again and again, because that's what you know process people need. Okay, so you can think about the the action folks. It's like they are about achievement, right? So what is what does success look like? Like really coming back to that as the touchstone again and again and again for your action-oriented people. And then your people people, how is this, how are we taking care of each other? How are we taking care of each other? So, and then there's there's this very specific thing around messaging that I want to mention. So that's sort of a how from a communication leadership perspective. But here's what I want to say about messaging. So I have worked, you know, and coached so many leaders and so many organizations through the transition that happens when you are Oftentimes it'll come after a strategic plan, but but you are in a moment where you need to change your identity and or your strategy. And so what's important about to know about that is that you can only move as quickly as the the unit or the person who is moving most slowly through the change. Okay. That is what's going to dictate the pace of change. And so one thing to be attentive to is you have a way that you talk about your organization and your work, all right? And that that way is there with you in the end state, which, right, end state is where you're starting from. Something is ending. That means by definition, you're going to stop using words that refer to the thing that you're letting go of. You're going to stop using those words because that thing will no longer be there. And you're going to be, intro- you're either going to be doubling down on the things that are still, you know, there and or you're going to be introducing new elements. And this is the piece that I really want to touch on. Doubling down on the known is or tripling down or whatever is a really great strategy because again, you're inviting people into a great unknown. And so the polarity here that you have to balance as a leader is between the known and the unknown. We need both of these things to be a dynamic organization, right? Certainty and uncertainty. And you need to keep it balanced. And when I see sort of tips the scales from productive generative space into whoa, whoa, whoa no resistance with like we are not going to go there is too much newness all at once we can only handle so much newness all at once especially given coming out of this era and we're in this like we're still in the, we're still in the neutral zone with covid and what this means in terms of the workplace we're trying to act like we're in the new beginning we are not there yet we don't know we're like an inch and towards it uh, but we don't know. So you have to manage and communicate mindful of which zone you're in and you're in the neutral zone still, right? For the vast majority of organizations that I'm seeing and in touch with, okay? And so too much newness will backfire. So from a messaging perspective and a communication perspective, in the words you're using, I want you to notice how many are known and how many are new because the new is going to feel like the unknown. And just attentively, and you can map this out. I, I I coach clients on this all the time. It's super useful. Like map, literally map out the ratio of known to new as you move through it. If you're going to introduce new messaging, because again, programs and services have shifted, maybe you're at a place where your mission, vision, values, and purpose have shifted, right? True, like organizational level ending has happened with new beginnings on the horizon and you're in that neutral zone. So what's the ratio when you start out in that ending place 
you, like you can't skirt the issue. Something is ending. You know, you need to name it. Let's not like act like it's not happening. And then, you know, how can you like do the reminders of what is known, what is going to stay with us, right? As always, the why behind all these choices and all these decisions. I talked last weekend a little bit about something that I'm referring to as microtransparency, right? So in a previous episode, I talked about that University of Pennsylvania study where uh, micro-understanding was what was being um, requested from employees. Like, really get me. Understand my day-to-day, please. So I got sort of inspired by that. And there's so much change going on. And so there's this question for leaders, but like, what do we share? What do we not share? And and a request, I would say, for lots of transparency. But we hear that kind of as macro transparency. Like, we, we, have, to, we have to share all the everything, including the process and the outcome and all of that. What I'm noticing is, again, like we can only metabolize so much newness. Ditto, we can only metabolize like transparency because it's new information as newness. So can you model micro-transparency? Like just have it be part of what you do. We made this decision. Here's the rationale behind it. Of course, never sharing anything that is personal um, about, you know, people who are impacted. Obviously, there are certain places that you don't go but that's on a case-by-case basis. But how can you introduce this idea of, of micro-transparency as you move through change? Acknowledging that change is the norm. We're always going through change. And so, but it's in these moments of, of bigger change, more obvious change, not quotidian day-to-day change, um, where this attentiveness to language and communication is so important and yet often overlooked. And that's not a slight, it's because you're like managing so much stuff, like so much decision fatigue. And that's why sitting down and mapping it out, you know, my coaching clients find that really helpful. There's all sorts of things that we can do together, getting that understanding of what are the communication styles of your team. Do it now. If you haven't done that, please do it now. (laughs) Do it before it's, you know, like high stakes, because the way in which you see each other and engage with each other Uh, really is positively impacted when you have that level of understanding. So that's just just some some thoughts coming off that weekend of teaching and learning and being with this amazing cohort, specifically like like the the Bridges, uh, William Bridges work and that idea of the neutral zone. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that for sure. Really was a through line, I would say, of the weekend. And so I've been thinking about a lot. It really stuck with me. And then, of course, I always have to, you know, go to like, what does that mean for communication? I can't help myself. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today. I hope you found this useful. I hope you got a tidbit that you can use and play and experiment with. And as always, if you want to talk about it, reach out to me or join um, an Ask Me Anything session, which we hold uh, for now each Thursday from 10 to 11. We may be playing with the time to accommodate different time zones, but you can always find the information on our website. And in order to join that, you just have to be a subscriber to Claxton's newsletter because that's how we let you know about what's going on. I hope you have a fantastic day and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, 
head on over to www.klaxon.communicationnos.com.